With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Good morning, campers. Alan Jerry, don't worry, it's only an hour long, and most days it doesn't. All right, here we go. Five oh three. It is the Friday before Memorial Day. What do you say? It's the warm-up show brought to you by Carney Bank. Your bank for today, for tomorrow. Visit CarneyBank.com for details. I got the Eddie Skizer, Mike Flegelman making an appearance too in the control room, but. Because he's not here. It's like a hologram. But I have heard his voice like every morning driving in. Joining me this morning is Al Dukes is off. He's lazy. He took the four-day weekend. So instead, I shut my eyes. I envision the man that I used to stand next to in the Columbia booth, whether it was football or basketball. He's not here, but we will hear his voice. His name is Sal Gary Licata. What's up, Sal? <laughs> I miss those days of standing next to you at the Columbia Games. I also actually considered going into work, but then I was like, oh, no. Do I need to get a test? I haven't gotten the shot yet, although I will get that this week. Anyway, uh, did the overnight right from here. So, yeah, I mean, this is where I am right now, Jerry. I miss you. I miss being in studio with you. I got to tell you, I am fascinated by a couple of things before we get to the Knicks and the Nets and people spitting on people. Um, The idea that you have done this show from your, I guess, basement or is that you doing it from that room that we see on SNY with all the uh, sports figures behind you? Yeah, so luckily, before all this went down, I had the plan to make uh, this was it used to be a laundry room uh, when we bought the house, but we moved the laundry upstairs and I made this my office. I figured I needed some kind of workspace, never anticipating ever that I'd be working Pandemic. from home. Right. Yeah, really. I never thought. And then I happened to get things organized and whatever. And then it was, hey, you're going to be working from home, whether it was SNY or here. So yeah, it's down in the basement right next to, which I believe is now a, a broken uh, AC unit uh, during the the show, I'm hearing these noises here. I see some water dripping. So as soon as I get off the air, I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah, another disaster. Home ownership is nice. awesome, isn't it? Oh no, it's a, it's a disaster. Anyway, so yeah, I'm down here right next to the boiler and AC stuff in the basement, uh, which is my laundry room turned office. So while we have a moment, I'm, I'll give Sal the platform to talk about home ownership, marriage, and fatherhood. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. It's, Relax. Yeah. Let's not get divorced. <laughs> it's the greatest. Yeah, it's a, on, on my anniversary, by the way. Today's the anniversary. It's the greatest thing ever. Look at you. Happy anniversary. Or is it three years? Four, actually. Four is it four? Yeah. Wow. You, you know, remember it's, that? It's funny you say. There. It's funny you say it's four years because we get you know with the Google Photos you get all these memories and usually today so it's the Friday before Memorial Day and usually we would be at Headliner and I've gotten the memories five years ago. Um, Craig threw uh, basically sprayed silly string on me while I was doing an update live with you know a thousand people in front of me. By the way, didn't skip a beat. Four years ago, I yelled at the crowd, which was fun. And then I think three years ago, it was when G started singing. 
uh, as Beningo. That was his first year there. And then, of course, last year was nothing. And this year we we just missed out timing-wise um, because things are – and I'm proud of you. You're getting the shot. I didn't think you would. Well, I mean, I never really – honestly, I never really gave it much thought. I was never anti or I was never pro. It was just one of those things. In the beginning, I was not in the eligible category, right? So I had other things going on in my life with my wife being pregnant and all that. So it wasn't like, oh, I got to go get this shot. I never looked into it. And I'll tell you, I just got to a point now where – I'm tired of living with restrictions. I just want to go shoot me right. up. I don't care. Now, I, and I don't even care. I'm going to do the, probably the Johnson & Johnson one because I want one and done. I don't want to wait 14 days. I don't want to – just give me the shot. Let's move on and go live my life. And if something happens to me and a negative uh, impact, I'll deal with it and, and we'll move forward. But I can't live with these restrictions anymore. I'm ready for, I'm ready for the shot. Good for you. I'm. You know what? I'm proud of you. So I'm, I'm excited. Now, why? I'm, because when, the- when you filled in whenever it was and we discussed this – it was your wife was all for it, but you really weren't. And you were very, you were going to wait. And I figured you'd wait a lot longer than you are. So I think that's great. Good timing. Memorial Day weekend. Let's get this done. And then the weather's going to be good. And you can be out and about and you can rip it up. Yeah. Well, I something. mean, maybe I could go to a game. I, I wish I, the, the tipping point was when I had a chance to buy Knicks tickets. I was frantically, you know, searching like everybody else in New York, probably on that Wednesday when they went on sale. And I was like, all right, let me see if I could get tickets. And the non-vaccinated section, it was just impossible. Right, and I sure. Had the, yeah, and I could have had the vaccinated seats. And at that point, I was going to say, all right, well, I'll go right now and get the shot. Although it wouldn't have mattered because you had to wait then 14 days. And right. it was just like, oh, forget it. So either way, I was screwed because I waited too long. But yeah, I don't want to do that. I don't want any restrictions this summer. Well, and plus you might as well get the shot now because most Nick fans think they'll be in the conference finals. So at least you'll have time <laughs> for that. Which is a good thing. Right. It's not right. bad. Of course. Yeah, so, right. anyway, are you? I know you're fired up for tonight. Um, before we do any of the basketball, which is, uh, this is related to the basketball, you know, I find it interesting, and I, I, I'm part of it too. My experiences in Philadelphia as a fan um, earlier in my life were not good. And I mean going to an Eagles game, I've had things thrown at me. And and I don't go there with jerseys on, and I don't stand up and you know yell and scream. I pretty much sit there and watch the game. But when I was thirteen or fourteen, I went I went to a Cowboy Eagle game. I did have a Cowboy hat on, but that was it, nothing else. And the experience was miserable. So anytime I hear people talk about Philadelphia, you know, from that one experience, I'm like, man, you know what? This place is crazy. I was also at a Flyers uh, Flyers Islanders game once, where the fan behavior was off the charts, terrible. But I also find that to be the case at The Rock. I find that to be the case at The Garden. I have found that to be the case everywhere, basically. But it's funny how the whole popcorn thing with Russell Westbrook was such a huge deal, and rightly so. And then automatically it's all these Philadelphia fans. They're animals. Meantime, on the same night as we find out later in the morning yesterday, you've got a Nick fan spitting on Trey Young a couple of nights after you've got 15,000 people yelling F Trey Young, and yet all we do is gravitate towards how horrendous Philadelphia fans are. You know what? We should all look ourselves in the mirror because none of us are any better. And it doesn't matter if it's New York, Philadelphia. I've seen it at Sal, I've seen it at Michigan State in college basketball. Fan behavior is atrocious everywhere. Everywhere. Oh, we never really. 
we never really saw that across our travels in the Ivy League, Jared. But you're <laughs> right. Everyone, look at MetLife. I remember now. I've gone into MetLife plenty of times uh, as a Falcons fan, and I, I'm not. I mean, maybe cheer for my team, but I'm not saying anything crazy or being that vocal. I'm not stupid. I'm surrounded by eighty thousand people wearing Giants jerseys, but yet I'm getting peanuts thrown at me and yeah. things, you know, said and you know, sit down, this and that, whatever. How about the Islanders fans and their treatment of Tavares uh, years ago? I mean, how nasty was that? Yeah. So you, there are despicable behaviors of fan bases all across of sports but spitting on somebody i mean what what are what are we doing i i try to talk about it a little bit during the overnight i mean where is this deep anger coming well, that's from with these and it's obviously something more so than sports and they feel that through sports that's where they're going to let that anger out even the bleep you trey young stuff that didn't make any sense to me what has he done to earn those type of chance. I mean, you got to do something against the Knicks to, to be that hated by the Knicks fan. Trey Young, he's irrelevant. He's an Atlanta Hawk. I mean, the Knicks have been out of the playoffs. Neither the Hawks haven't been there either. Why that vitriol and anger? Where is this coming from? And to spit on somebody, to throw popcorn on somebody, to curse somebody out. I mean, where, where what is up with sports fans and their deep-rooted anger? Well, this first of all, it's not new. I mean, this has been going on for years and years and years. It's just that everything now gets caught on tape for the most part. And so, you know, you look at the Trey Young thing. The only reason we know about it is because the video caught it. Otherwise, we'd have no idea. You know, the Russell Westbrook thing would happen no matter what because, you know, people saw it, security, the way Westbrook reacted. Give Trey Young a lot of credit. I don't even know if he realized it because he didn't react. And even uh, on social media, he pretty much just rolled with it and said, whatever. Um, so you give him a lot of credit for that. But everything's going to be caught on tape now. And, you know, I like the statement the Knicks put out. I like the fact that they banned this jackass from the from the garden because, quite frankly, and this is pretty much society, I know it's not 15,000 people spitting on Trey Young, but that one guy makes you look like crap as a group. It just does. Just like the one idiot in Philadelphia makes those fans who, uh, they've had their issues for sure. We know that. But right. it also makes the Philadelphia fan look like, the perception of the Philadelphia fan for that one night. And it's just the whole thing is such a bunch of nonsense because when I tell you it's everywhere, it is everywhere. And it's, to me, like society, one or two people ruin it for everybody else. And that's the case for both these two instances. All right, at least in Philly, the argument would be, well, we didn't throw batteries this time. It was just popcorn. Big deal. It's not going to hurt anybody. Well, let me but, ask you, just... but let me ask you this on that note. Forget the batter. On this note, now that we've seen popcorn and spitting, which one's worse? Neither good, but which one's worse? Well, I think in this particular time of where we're at in the world, I mean, how could you even dare think to spit? Like, and I don't, you... Anywhere in the world, ever. You don't spit on someone. Well, right, but now, especially with the pandemic, you're right. Obviously, it's a, it's a horrible. I mean, remember Robbie Alomar did it with the umpire? Sure. Yes, just, of course. When you, when you think about spitting on something, it doesn't get any lower than that. That is like the lowest thing you could do to somebody is to spit on them. What somebody would possibly be thinking in this in this setting, and during a pandemic where nobody is supposed to be having anything come out of their mouths. I mean, you're supposed to be wearing masks and protecting each other, and this moron decides to spit on a professional athlete at the Garden, and he almost got 50 cent in the process, which that could have been a disaster had he did. Because I think Trey Young, you're right, Jerry, has handled this with class. I'm not so sure 50 would have handled it like that, but spitting, look, throwing popcorn isn't good. We've seen that plenty of times before. With spitting on somebody, I mean, that is as low as it gets. Right. So, New York, you own that. Enjoy that. Now, I thought Kevin Durant had a great quote on Twitter, and whether you like him or hate him, this is just about like humanity and fans. He wrote, "quote It's all fun and games until you ass banned for life." 
I love that. And that's what they should do. Get them out. Don't. And with the facial recognition now, good luck getting back into the garden, you moron, because this was stupid. Now, unfortunately, he wasn't a season ticket holder. And I say unfortunately because that would have been a great penalty to take that away, like they did with the Sixers fan. Think about that guy. That Sixers fan, he's watching his team about to – I mean, they could be on a run here where they could go win the title. He's probably waited forever. He's had season tickets. Not anymore because you decided in your moron head that it was a good idea to dump popcorn on a professional athlete while he's walking off with an injury, no less. You're done. The thing you probably love more than almost anything in your life, going to these Sixers games because you have season tickets. Tickets, that's taken from you. That is, I mean, that's a severe punishment and a good one. And look, I'd love to punish him even more. Same with the idiot who uh, who, who spat on uh, Trey Young there. Ban him from the garden. He shouldn't be able to go to any garden event for life. And really, you should ban him from all sporting events in New York if you could. I agree. And, you know, to answer your question, because I did hear you from 3 to 340 or whatever it was, and it was a great discussion you had on fan behavior and the anger and all that stuff. You know, I'll bring it back to, I know it was a joke sort of at the time, But when Craig used to tell Boomer that he humanized him, meaning we all look at, and I think this goes for most sports fans, I shouldn't say we all, but I think most of us look at sports professional athletes as not human beings. Like we look at them as just, you know, figures in video games. And then all of a sudden you bring Boomer in here to do the show every day. And I, I actually agreed with Craig at the time 12 years ago, 10 years ago, whatever it was. That that is true. He he gave you a boomer a human side. He's not just the left-handed quarterback that played for the Bengals, the Jets, and the Cardinals. He's like, damn, he's got a family. He's got kids. He actually gives a gives a damn about things. And you realize he's actually a part. Well, all these guys. And I think with social media, you know, the the bad part of social media is well, the bad part. We don't need to go into that. But yeah, the, right. the, and I, I by the way, I've taken your cue. From now on, you want to be an ass? Blocked. Not even interested. You know, if you uh, consider that a win, take it. go for it. To me, stress-free Twitter. Um, the good part of Twitter can be actually seeing what these people are actually like. And they're not just figures in a video game setting or the TV screen or, you know, whatever it might be. But it is interesting because they people just treat these guys like they're not people. And I, Russell Westbrook's right. You do that in the wrong place, you are forget getting banned. You're going to get your ass beat. Uh, by one of these guys, and they wouldn't be wrong to do it. I really believe that. So. Well, you could say that now. Now, look, obviously, there's physical nature to that when somebody's dumping popcorn on you or somebody's spitting at you, and the athletes understand that they're going to get booed. But to have something physical happen like that—that's unacceptable, and you would never do that in any walk of life, other than for some reason in an arena where fans think they could get away with it. But it is also similar to some social media stuff where athletes, you know, people who are in the public eye, whatever, there are things that are said on there to other people that you would never of course. dare say to somebody's face. And that's why, you know, Jared, people say sometimes, oh, you're soft because you block people. No. And I had to explain it to somebody. It was actually Stephen Howard Beach saying, why do you block people? You shouldn't do that. And I was saying, here's why I block people. Because I can't fight back fairly. No. And instead of me getting frustrated and not being able to say what I want to say back, I'm, I'm just blocking them. That's it. I block and move on. If it were a fair fight and I'd be able to say whatever I want back, then let's go. But I can't do that, so that's why I block. And by the way, let me just take it a step further with the Twitter stuff. What I've done now is I deleted it from my phone, and I'll only go on there specifically if I have to post something to like promote the show or tweet a link or if I feel the need to say something in the rare occasion that I want to get a tweet out there and then not read any of the replies. Look for and you. That has... 
I'm telling you, if you could do it, it is the greatest thing. I just don't care anymore. I don't. Alonzo said it. Did you hear what Alonzo said last week? They asked him what it's like being off of social media. Yes. It was either last week or two weeks ago. He's just, I'm living my life. I don't, it's none of my business what people say about me and I'm enjoying my life. And that triggered something in my mind. He's right. I don't care what anybody says about me. I don't want to care. I didn't sign up for this. I want to get my opinion <laughs> to move on. Get my opinion to move on and that's it. Yeah, you're not wrong. All right, we got to take a break. It is 518. It is the warm-up show. Uh, Sal is in for Al, and then Al will be back sometime next week. We'll see. I think he's going to come back Tuesday. We'll find out. But I will tell you, though, if you're not aware, it is officially the one – we're past it, actually – but the one-year anniversary of Al and his new condo. He's right across the street from the ocean. It's awesome. And as he will tell you, best decision he's ever made. He bought his own place. He's building equity in a home. And he is going to tell you that he owes a huge thank you to Carney Bank. You know how much he loves them. He tells you every day, and they made the mortgage process so easy. Uh, matter of fact, his mortgage loan officer, always accessible. He was personable. And Al tells us very quick to respond, which I got to tell you is, is key. Uh, first-time home buyers, do not hesitate to explore Carney Bank. Visit CarneyBank.com slash mortgages. That's CarneyBank.com slash mortgages. Member FDIC equal housing lender. Just scratching the surface with Sal. A lot more to do on the warm-up show. Coming back on the fan. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, well, Sal could be one of those meatheads. He likes to go to the gym with Stephen Howard Beach, although I've never <laughs> looked at Sal as a meathead. Sal is in for Al. It's the warm-up show brought to you by Carney Bank here on The Fan until 6 o'clock. Boomer and Geo then. I know you are fired up for Knicks Hawks tonight. Um, I love the fact that it's at 7 o'clock. I hate the fact that the Nets start at 8.30, only because getting up at 2.15, 2.20, whatever it is, it's like 8.30. Ugh. Um, do you what time ex- do you make it till? Like what time is your is your normal bedtime during the week? Usually eight fifteen. Yeah, so the the late start there. I mean, it is a Friday night, so you don't have anything to do Saturday morning, right? right? But if I don't get a nap in, I'm usually like yeah. a drunk guy drooling on myself by nine. <laughs> it's true. I mean, it's really it's difficult, especially if you have a drink or two, just because it's fr- now today's not going to be a nice day. I think I think the weather's going to be terrible later. But if today was like yesterday. On a Friday, I would be outside, whether it's with the Casamigos, whether it's with a Corona, whatever it might be. I would be outside, you know, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, just kind of enjoying the weather. But today, probably not. And then when I do that, I might not make it till 8. I mean, that's just brutal. Saturday's fine. I could stay up Saturday night until, you know, 2 a.m. Last weekend, we went out on Saturday night. I think we were out till 2 o'clock. No problem. Wow. Friday's a mess. Fridays. You and Cam, you're talking about going out? Yeah, we went to this Barrel and Roost restaurant in uh, Middletown, New Jersey. Uh, Boomer suggested it. Um, and it was awesome. We had a good time. Went with a friend of ours for for their birthday. Um, had a really good time. And then we hung out after. And yeah, I think it was, we were out to 2 a.m., which is fine. The problem is Friday night. Friday night is difficult. So I love, so like, for instance, the other night, the Islanders started at 6 30. That was awesome. It's tremendous. Right, Games over nice at really 9. Start. Yeah. Now, did, did Boomer get you into this restaurant? Or he actually did. You, did. I mean, 
Oh, look at that. You so, did. like, I can't just go. Normal people can't go. You have to have no, a no, hookup no. by Boomer to get in? No, you need oh. to just call for a reservation. The problem was I was only five days out of needing the reservation, and at that point for a Saturday night, mm, good luck. Uh, so I actually called in the favor to the big fella. Damn, what a life that is, huh? Can you imagine what it's like to be Boomer Esiason? I can. It seems fun. Right? Isn't that, isn't that great? I mean, <laughs> Yes, I can. Uh, I, I got to wait in line at McDonald's. Boomer can make a, a reservation anywhere he wants to go. I mean, it's incredible. Uh, Boomer can buy McDonald's. Yeah, right? That's <laughs> <laughs> another thing, to be quite honest. Um, Ooh, well, awesome. So let me ask you this. Any people see, I have a lot of Nick fans in my life, as you can imagine, uh, in this area. I'm the Net fan. That's fine. But uh, most of my friends are Nick fans. And I, here's, the, here's what I'm getting from most of them. It's, it's enough with this Atlanta. This has been cute, but let's go. Let's go take two in Atlanta and come back and wrap things up. Are you of that mindset that this is going to be easy tonight and Sunday? Because I, I don't think it's going to be. I wouldn't say easy, but I do think the Knicks are the better team, and I think the Knicks have not played anywhere close to what they're capable of. Now, you could say that the Hawks have missed plenty of open shots as well. I think John Collins is going to be a factor moving forward, you know, foul trouble, whatever, Gallinari missing shots, Bogdanovich. I, I don't think each individual game will be easy. However, I would not be surprised if the Knicks come back to the Garden for Game 5 up 3-1. So you are, so no, so you are of that mindset that they could just do this in 5 and get out. Well, I, my original prediction was Knicks in six. I, look, I don't think the Hawks are that good. See, I don't believe in that style of play. I saw it in the, the third time the Knicks played them in the regular season. Hawks were up huge. And because they continue to shoot the three ball, they just run down the floor, shoot the three. That allowed the Knicks to get back in it. And that's the same thing that happened in game two. So I respect the Hawks. Trey Young's a great player. As I said, I think Collins could be a difference maker. These games are going to be close games. They're going to be hard fought. However, I expect Randall to be what he was in the regular season Barrett is going to step it up as well and I think the Knicks are a better team so at worst they're going to come home 2-2 I would think though the Knicks yeah I, I just get that feeling that the Knicks are going to take two in Atlanta for whatever reason and not easy but they'll take two and I think they're winning the series too but I you know I would right. think split here and you're in great shape the one thing you that caught my ear from you the other day which I found funny um was when you were like you know the Hawks shot 45 threes you know well this is the NBA well it's not my NBA you said something like that the Knicks shot 35. You well, made it still, seem like the Hawks shot 44 threes and the Knicks shot 10. What? But they shot 10 more and made the same amount. Oh, I mean, okay. But it wasn't like the Knicks weren't hoisting threes all over the place, too. That is the game. You may not like it. And I'll be honest with you, I don't like it. I, th I think this style of basketball is awful. I think when it goes in, it looks great when Trey Young or Steph Curry makes those 35-footers. Right. I marvel at it because... You know, you saw it with doing those Ivy League games with me. I watch Rutgers. I watch these kids practice, and I cannot believe how good these kids can shoot the ball. Then you take it to the pro level, and they legit, if you gave Steph Curry, I mean, you've certainly seen the video from him hitting, what, 99 out of 100 threes from the corner? That, that video is ridiculous, maybe even more than that. The shooting ability is off the charts great, and I should really admire it, but I don't like it in the flow of a basketball game when you've got teams hoisting up 30, 40, sometimes 53 pointers. I mean, Steve Nash actually said, Sal, a couple of weeks ago, when the Nets put up, I want to say they put up, what was the number, 40 or 41 three-pointers. He actually said in the post-game press conference, I wish we shot more. Oh, my God. It's like, come on now. I mean, now it's like it's like the Harlem Globetrotters. Like, what are we doing? 
See, the Knicks do shoot, and the Knicks play the closest to the old school style that we've seen. And yes. you're right, they do shoot a lot of threes um, compared to, yeah, the Knicks of the 90s, of course. However, most of them, and I did rip them for some of the bad shots in game two. I thought that they forced the issue, similar to what Atlanta did. Instead of having a possession, moving the ball, and finding the open three or a better look three, Burks will come down and chuck one. That's not what you should be doing, especially not with the lead. But the Knicks generally move the ball and will take a three if it's an open three if it's a good look most of the time though they'll be looking to take you know they're not afraid to take a mid-range jumper uh, not afraid to attack the the rim so those are things that I like Atlanta consistently you saw Gallinari I mean he only does is sit behind the three-point line and chuck him up well he's, he's also open, but, he's he, three. but he's also been wide open I mean and I'm watching the game with my son who loves the Knicks and he's sitting there saying you know let him shoot he stinks <laughs> and <laughs> and the other night Gallinari's throwing up brick after brick but at the same time he's also wide open like right. why not shoot it um, you know, it, I don't know. The game is different. It's changed. I don't think changed for the better, but it is what it is. And that's what you're going to get. You're going to get an error. I would think if you see a team shoot less than 33s in a game, that's going to be as rare as someone shooting 60. I mean, that's to me, it's the game is now played between 30 and 53s for every game from every team. It's pretty much what it's become. And that's the value of, you know, the additional point. And if a team does get uh, look at how about this? Look at the start of game two. The Knicks defensively, and I'm only talking about the first five minutes. That's all I mean. The first five minutes of that game, the Knicks were swarming and they were suffocating Atlanta. And they had they were leading, I don't know, I think it was 7-2. You almost felt like it almost felt like the Hawks couldn't even break through quarter court. Like they couldn't even get the ball to the top of the key. That's how intense the Knicks were to start. Then all of a sudden, the the Hawks hit a three. Oh, and then another one, and then another one, and they went on a 12-nothing run. And it went from 7-2, the Knicks look like the 94 Knicks, to you look up, it was 17-7 Hawks. I'm like, what just happened? Like, But that's the value of the three, and that's why they go to it. As much as I hate but, it, I understand it. Well, you're right, but they continue to play that way throughout, and you're, they're not making them. So they look great in For that sure. spurt or in the first half. Then what happens in the second half? The same style of play, and then they're not making them, and all of a sudden, hey, the, the Hawks, you know, they, they can't buy one. Bogdanovich is awful. Galinari, as you said, even though they're open, they're missing threes. Live by the three, die yes. by the three. And that's what that's what the Hawks do. The Knicks do not do that. They have other ways to score. They're more of a balanced team, and they should be the best. Give Atlanta credit for being an improved defensive team, at least to go along with that live by the three, die by the three. But the Knicks are the better defensive team, and they are more consistent offensively. So once Randall and Barrett kicking into gear, I think the Knicks are going to take off. And at the end of the day, still 91-91. And after 93-91, you had the tipping by Capella that he missed. And who knows, that game could change too. But you are right. Live by the three, die by the three. Real quick, Bucks heat a combined 68 threes were shot, 36 by Miami, 32 by Milwaukee, or I might have that reversed. Lakers-Suns, uh, only 30 by Phoenix, the Lakers. So, all right, so here's the outlier. The Lakers win the game, 109-95. They were only 7 of 28 from three. Um, so that's a lot of inside play. And then Denver-Portland. Yeah, that was a lot. That was Denver a lot. shot 38, Portland shot 45. It's about right. I mean, that's you shoot over, but if you're shooting over forty, I mean, come on, that's ridiculous. You, you, I know you're. What you're saying it's the style of the play, but I mean, that's that is way too many threes. Like it's I said, to a, I don't like it, but it is what it's what it is. 
Uh, it's similar to the way the, the quarterbacks in today's NFL. I mean, they're, they're throwing 40, 50 times a game. I mean, it's ridiculous. I still believe in a balanced offense running the football. And in this case, I believe in a balanced offense, not just chucking up threes left and right. It, it's very simple philosophy. You would want – the idea of basketball is to put the ball in the hoop. The closer you get to the hoop, the easier it should be to put in. For These sure. guys nowadays, you're right with the range is, is, is crazy, but it's not everybody that can shoot it like Trey Young or Steph Curry. The problem is what you go back to the live-by, die-by theory is if a team's living by it, if you're only shooting twos, you can't keep up. And you are going to have games like that. We saw that with the Warriors. I mean, you know, from years back where they're shooting a million threes and making right. a million threes. Hard to keep up. But but that's why I said the Hawks, I gave them two games in the series because you're right. That will win you a couple of games. No matter what, you're going to get a hot night shooting and it's going to win you a game. Over the course of the best of seven, the more consistent play to me would win out. Now, we'll see how that works here. But that's that was my theory in taking the Knicks over the Hawks. Which is why me, you, and most people around here pick the Knicks to beat the Hawks. All right, 25 in front of six. We're more than halfway home. Sal can go fix his air conditioning at the top of the hour. <laughs> Boomer and Geo coming up on the fan as well. Don't go away. Amazon is hiring near you. Take home something greater when you start now. Solid pay, a range of real benefits, and career growth opportunities. See the difference they make in your life at Amazon.com slash apply. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. You know, usually you get to the Friday before Memorial Day weekend. It's the kickoff, the summer you're looking forward to. And there's no question, the last couple of weeks, we have had decent weather. And yesterday was gorgeous. But this is not the forecast you want to see from Memorial Day weekend. Today, 67 periods of rain. Tomorrow, 58 rain. Sunday, 62 cloudy rain. And then finally, Monday, when you're getting ready to go back to work, it's sunny and 75. Great, thanks. That and a dollar gets you a dollar. Isn't that awful? I didn't even know that that was uh, that bad. The one good thing is now my lawn will be watered for the next few days. I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> it will but yeah, be. That's br- that is brutal with the, with the Memorial Day forecast. You're, can we catch a break here? I mean, last year we were in the middle of a pandemic. This year we're starting to get out of it, and now the bad weather all weekend. Ugh. And I wonder what that means for the, uh, for the Mets, by the way. I mean, more rainouts and more seven-inning games ahead. That's what we're looking at. Um, you know what? I mean, today I'm trying to – if you look at the forecast, it, I, I would say – You've got a chance to play for sure on Sunday. Saturdays, if today looks like a complete washout, starting around 2 o'clock. So I hope I'm wrong. We'll see. But this is not a great start to the weekend. You are hearing Sal. He is in for Al, the warm-up show, until 6. Sal kind enough to hang out until 6 o'clock in his palatial estate in Long Island. Um, I saw <laughs> so I saw this real quick. Brian, Brian Hoke or Hawk? You know the, the Yankee beat reporter? Hoke. I believe it's Brian Hoke. So I saw this yesterday where he says, why under, I saw this, why is Aroldis Chapman not available? For, now, I'm not going to lie to you. I was asleep at this point. Why is Aroldis Chapman not available for the save opportunity? Post your guesses in this thread. So I saw this when I woke up this morning. I'm thinking, oh, he's got to be hurt. So then I actually checked the thread, and I thought one of the funnier ones I saw 
was he is late getting to the ballpark because of traffic. And I thought, oh, how stupid. Now, that's not the case. Turns out he was just sick. And then as I'm going through my work this morning, I see that Shohei Otani's start was scratched because he was late getting to the ballpark because of traffic in Oakland. Now, not his fault. He was on the team bus, and the team bus was late, but his complete routine was ruined, so they decided to go with someone else. But is that amazing that in this day and age, you've got guys that can't get to the ballpark, and you know that they left early. That's how bad the traffic was in Oakland. Uh, well, I was going to say, what are you supposed to do? I mean, you're on a team bus. It's not like they could fly. They can't uh, use a helicopter. Oh, I'm not to faulting get from the... him. Well, no, you, you right. could do that. I'm not faulting him. I'm just saying it's amazing to me. Also, the fact that you just said a year ago where we were at, a year ago you could have driven around the country 17 times in one day and seen seven cars. I mean, no one was out. No one was doing anything. And here we are. You talk about things feeling normal again. The traffic, and I think it was a bad accident, but the traffic was so bad in Oakland that they couldn't get the bus there in time for their starting pitcher to get into his pregame routine to start, which is really fascinating. Maybe he should have been on the earlier bus. I mean, I'm assuming, Maybe. like you said, there are multiple you – know, because everybody else was relatively unimpacted by it, right? All right, we get to the ballpark a little late. No big deal. It happens. But for a pitcher, if you got to be there in routine, you make sure you get there a little early. Yeah. But, yeah, that's – I mean, that was crazy. Pitchers are odd breeds, man, aren't they? they got to have their routine. they got to make sure it's perfect. It's kind of like – what was it? Wasn't it a Yankee – remind me. There was a Yankee playoff game where they screwed up the starters – Hmm. But I have this oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Someone started warming ball, up the, like 12 minutes before the game, and it didn't seem right. And was they, it Severino? I think it was Severino at the time. Is that who? Maybe and then Aaron Yankees, Boone. Red Sox. Yeah, was given all sorts of you know BS nonsense quotes after the game when in fact someone screwed up somewhere. Was supposed to start at 7:08 or 7:10, something like that, to where he was warming up a little bit earlier. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I'm pretty sure it was Severino. And you get him, and, and he wasn't good, if I remember correctly. Right, which is which is you know why there was an issue because of that. And, I mean, obviously, if you went out there and pitched well, who who cares? And then the other one, and this went viral yesterday. I'm sure you covered it on SNY or on your show overnight. The the Javi Baez play in Pittsburgh. Did you see this? I did. I didn't talk about it on the on the overnight show because what I mean, what is there to say about it? Oh, that's the worst play that I've ever seen in right? my life from that that's Pirates a, first base. That's a major league baseball player that had. N- we sit here and you know maybe your daughter will play softball and you'll be Coach Sal one day. We sit Hopefully. here trying to teach the kids focus and have a clue and learn the game, you know, so that you can react more so than think. Like it's the one thing you can do if you're going to think your way through a baseball game on the field as things are happening. You're lost. I mean, you really need to know the game enough to react. And this guy, you took the first, I don't know his name, the first baseman for the Pirates. You talk about just losing his sense of how to play. I, I don't know. I was fascinated by it. Like, that's a big. That was, that was the worst play I think I've ever seen on a baseball field at any level. And that is not an exaggeration. No, I agree like, with even, you. I've never seen that at Little League. And here's the thing. Everybody keeps saying Craig is his last name. Uh, Will, let me try to get his first name here. Will Craig. So everybody keeps saying he should just run back to the base, which I get he should have, but he also didn't have to. All he had to do was continue to run and tag the guy out, tag Baez out. And instead, for some reason, Craig like panics and flips the ball to the catcher trying to get the guy out who's running from there. It didn't make any sense. That was a horrible play. The one question I do have rules-wise, and clearly I'd be wrong, I would think if you hit a ground ball, and you're running to first base, and you stop and retreat, I would think you're giving yourself up. Hmm. Like, you're not making an attempt to go to first base at this point. Like, you stopped and you ran in reverse. Aren't you giving up on the play? 
It's kind of like, for, in, for instance, if you swing at strike three and the ball's dropped and the right. batter, instead of running to first, starts heading towards the dugout, in my experience as coaching all these games and even games I've watched, once the batter heads towards the dugout, the umpire generally calls him out because he's given himself up. So if you're running to first base, you stop and start retreating back to home. It's not like you're in between first and second where first is a safety place for you to go. It's not a safe base to get to. to. Right. I would think at that point you have given yourself up. That should have been an out. But I don't clearly I don't know that rule. Well, I've never seen that rule before. It, maybe it is rule. Maybe the umps missed it. I mean, they have missed calls before. No. Who knows if have that's they? rule or not? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you don't. I just couldn't believe what I was actually watching. At first, I heard Gary Cohen on the SNY broadcast talking about what he had seen. And then they showed it. And I was like, oh, my God, that's way worse than I even imagined because it wasn't just him running by his back home. The throw afterwards yes. was. What I mean, what are you doing? What are you? We've seen bad rundowns before, and that's you know a frustrating to watch. This was like, oh my god, this guy doesn't know how to play baseball. My my son tried explaining it to me. I didn't. I I couldn't grasp the concept. I'm like, all right, I got to see this play. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about because it didn't make any sense. Again, it was something you think you've seen everything? No, no. There's always something you can see on, I guess, on any sport, on any uh, you know playing surface that you can see for the first time. And that was certainly, for me, a first time. But, uh, yeah, pretty wild. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Javi Baez, Cubs-Pirates yesterday. The game was played in Pittsburgh and just a weird, weird play uh, going from first base back to home. And then one last thing before we take our final break of the hour. Um, I was drawn by this because you talk about things that we take for granted. So Tiger Woods, I think everybody just thinks is on the road to recovery and he's going to be fine and he's going to play golf again at some at some point. So he did an interview with Golf Digest. This quote, I don't know, just really caught my attention. He was asked about returning um, to the tour and when he thinks he'll be able to play again. And his quote was this, I do my routines every day and I'm focused on my number one goal right now, and that's walking on my own. Jesus. Is that a man? I mean, that's Tiger Woods. I mean, listen, it was a horrific accident, you know, self-inflicted for whatever reason. But my God, to think... Like that is his, forget golf. His concern right now is being able to walk without the, you know, the help or assistance of crutches, or I don't know if he's in a wheelchair. I know he's using crutches. I've seen those pictures. I mean, that really, that is eye-opening to me when you read that. I mean, one of the greatest athletes that we've ever seen and a horrific car accident. He's lucky he's alive. Yeah. And right. Who cares about it? Look, you probably, when something like that happens, you prioritize things. And right now golf is not a priority. So he's got enough money. He doesn't need to go out there and play golf as much. as He loves it as much as he's a great competitor. He wants to be able to walk again. That is something that money cannot buy. So yeah, God bless him, man. That's hopefully he could get back to to feeling somewhat normal. But really, right now, him and golf, it's irrelevant. The guy's got to be able to walk. That is the voice of Sal Licata. He once admitted to me that he spent entire paychecks on sports jerseys, but he has grown up since then. He is now a father, and he is loving it like all hell. Anyway, we got to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we're going to wrap things up. I've got one thing for you that's going to make you feel dumb because I feel like an idiot after listening to it. So we'll get to that in a moment. Then we got Boomer and Geo. It's a Memorial Day Friday here on the fan. Hey guys, if Al Dukes was here, he would tell you that he is celebrating his one year anniversary in his new condo and he loves it. So if you're sick of paying rent like he was and you want to build equity in your home, get in touch with Carney Bank. They make the entire mortgage process easy. Things that would have taken a few days, the big banks were done for Al in an afternoon at Carney. 
He wouldn't recommend anyone else. He will tell you that every time. Also, their first-time homebuyer program offers a ton of savings. Visit CarneyBank.com slash mortgages. That's CarneyBank.com slash mortgages. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. Back in a moment on The Fan. It's the dynamic duo of Al and Jerry, the superheroes of WFAN. All right, welcome back. Mets won two yesterday. The Yankees did split with the Blue Jays. Warm-up show brought to you by Carney Bank, your bank for today, for tomorrow. Visit CarneyBank.com for details. You've got Knicks-Hawks tonight, 7 o'clock, and then you've got the uh, Nets and Celtics up in Boston. That game will be on the fan. Doesn't start till 8.30, so coverage at 8.15. Real quick, we got about a minute left here. Sal, Sal in for Al, and we appreciate him doing this uh, for the hour. This guy I love listening to, but I swear to God, I feel even dumber than I usually think I am on an everyday basis when I listen to this. So Joe Rogan had Neil deGrasse Tyson on on his podcast. It's a three-hour podcast, and I'm fascinated listening to him. And I suggest anybody go and listen to the guy speak. Three hours? Yeah, well, I'm two hours in so far. But he talks about everything. So far in the first two hours, he's talked about everything from aliens to UFOs to future intelligence to... (laughs) Um, what was the other thing? The power of the self-driving car and how fast it's going to be here. But just listening to him, when he was talking about future intelligence, Sal, he's using words. I had to go get a dictionary so I could understand what the hell he was saying. But Did he mention anything about, uh, about Bitcoin? Not yet. We have not gotten to Bitcoin yet, no. But I still I have an hour major, to go. Major hit here with Bitcoin. We need to get that up. Well, so far, you're a Bitcoin guy too, huh? Well, I mean, yeah, follow you the lead suck. of everybody else. Get out. <laughs> Start your holiday Thanks, weekend with a fan. 